What does it mean to be invincible? Well, it simply means you can't be subdued, you can't be overcome, and you definitely can't be conquered. To be resilient, courageous, strategic, and skilled in everything that's thrown at you in life. I'm Sharon Pakir, and I'd like to welcome you to the Invincible Podcast, where we discover the mastery of skills for work and life, mindset grows for ultimate strength, and listen to the inspiring voices of some amazing humans who have been invincible in their own way. Are you ready to get invincible? Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to the Invincible Podcast. My name is Sharon Pakir, and today we are doing a continuation of last week's episode. Now, in the last episode, you might remember, I introduced you to the Invincible Blueprint, my ultimate showcase of all the life skills that we need in order to further our lives, enhance our fulfillment in the lives that we live, our growth, our journey, as well as really transforming into the human being we want to be. Now, these are life skills that will transform your life. And the reason I designed the Invincible Blueprint is because I have a dream that every human could feel really well-equipped to navigate anything in life, work, and our relationships, to have clarity, to feel powerful, and to have a roadmap of mastery. You know, often we go along the path of self-improvement with a hungry hippos approach, right? We try to do this and learn this hobby and learn this skill and understand how to grow and read all the personal and professional development books. But ultimately, we have to have a roadmap. Instead of playing the Hungry Hippos game with all these forms of growth and development, it's really important to know where we're going and how to get there. And so I came up with the Invincible Blueprint. And last episode, you may remember that I took you through the first two modules of the Invincible Blueprint. We talked about self-discovery, knowing yourself to grow yourself, and understanding your values, purpose, mission, and vision, defining your value, having self-awareness, and understand how to align your life with your ultimate goals. We also talked about sense of self. Knowing who you are is important, but liking and supporting yourself is critical, which means building self-acceptance, self-esteem, and self-care into our life. If you were in my self-esteem webinar that happened on Monday this week, you will also remember that I spoke about dismantling the systems that keep us small in our head and in our external environment so we can finally play big and step into the powerful being that we are. In Sense of Self, we also talk about how to make big decisions and having detachment with those and building a life by design. It's one of those things I'm really passionate about, helping people to make decisions in their life and overcome their fears of what others might think, of how they may be viewed and judged, but also of what could go wrong. Now, today we're going to talk about the next two tenets in the roadmap, in the Invincible Blueprint, which is self-mastery and community and connection. For each of these, I'm going to talk about why they are important on the roadmap to growth and transformation, as well as some of the coaching tools that I personally use to bring myself to a point of transformation every single time I self-coach myself. Now, after we talk about self-discovery and sense of self, we're now at self-mastery. What is the difference between these three? Well, self-discovery is about knowing yourself. Sense of self is about liking and accepting yourself and knowing your strengths so you can bring your best, most powerful self to the world all the time. But self-mastery is where true success lies. Now, it's not just about productivity. This is what often people say to me, oh, Sharon, is self-mastery about, you know, productivity and achieving? Well, kind of, but it's also really not. True success comes from not just being productive, but also understand how to be productive, our why, what motivates us and what blocks us from actually getting the stuff done that we want to get done strategizing our time and energy so we feel like we're in flow, not like we're just rushing around from thing to thing, staying busy. Self-mastery is also about planning meaningful goals and taking beautiful action towards them. 
How many times have we set goals for ourselves and then realized halfway along the goal that we're really not enjoying the process of attaining the goal at all, but also that the goal doesn't really matter to us? And why did we choose this goal in the first place? This is one of those things that I wish was taught in school, how to choose meaningful goals before we actually set them and execute them. Self-mastery is basically creating a life that you thrive in, not just a busy life, not just a highly achieved life, and not just a productive life, but a life that you're thriving in, both physically and emotionally and mentally. A life that you feel like you love living in, no matter when the going gets tough, no matter when it's easy, it still feels pretty damn awesome to be you. Self-mastery is taking the driver's seat in life to the destinations that you desire and defining those destinations and why they're actually important to you. And when we're driving to that destination, you get to choose the route. You want to go the scenic way or you want to go the fastest possible way? It's totally up to you. In self-mastery, I cover off four big chapters. The first chapter is designing your day, understanding where your energy naturally flows according to your own personal rhythm, designing your day to fit the flow of things you actually need to get done, your personal responsibilities and obligations, but also a sense of needing time for yourself and energy for yourself. Why is this so important? Because I think as kids, we sort of learn to be scheduled, don't we? The school system, our parents' system, we learn all our ways of designing our day from our environment as kids and the culture we grew up in. Some cultures celebrate sitting still and taking time out, and some cultures are hustle, 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 go, go, go. Some cultures encourage us to stick to schedules and some cultures encourage us to, you know, go with the flow a little bit. However way we've been raised, usually this contributes a lot to how we end up as adults. And as an adult, it can sometimes be a real shock to go, oh my gosh, I get to plan my own day. I get to wake up at the time I want. I get to say when I exercise and when I work and when I eat. It's thrilling and also really scary. And I know at some point in your adulting life, you might sit there and go, why do I do this at a certain time? Or why do I do this before a certain other action? Who taught me how to do this? Why? And this is a point of great pivot and a point where we have an opportunity to observe ourselves and think, well, does this make sense for me? Just because it's the way I've always done it, should it be the way I do it forever now? When you think about simple things like do you, uh, in the morning, you know, do you use the restroom first or do you brush your teeth first? I guarantee you probably have done it the same way since you were a kid, unless you've really thought meaningfully about it since then. And maybe you might realize, actually, it makes me feel better to do it the other way around. Now, I know this is a silly example, but this is also a great example of how if we just change the way we design our day, we can drastically, we can drastically change the way we view our life. We can choose to view our life and our daily grind through a lens of doing things not in our control and not in our disposition, or we can choose to look at the way we do things on a daily basis through a lens of I'm in control and I have the power to change the way I do things anytime I want, and I get to keep improving the way I do things until I sit with a flow that suits me dearly. Now, the second part of self-mastery is obviously goal-setting right? Choosing meaningful goals, understanding how to execute them. I have this amazing framework of how to strategize your goals and no, it's not smart goals. And what I will say that is that in a decade of coaching, I found that it really works for most people. 
And it's a framework that actually helps us to understand how realistic our goal is as well. And it helps us assess whether the goal is achievable and how to achieve the goal, not just making a plan, because really making a plan is the easy part. Sticking to the plan, executing the plan and understanding the plan is actually worthwhile and actually works. That's the whole, that's a whole other question. Now, the third thing I think about in self-mastery is how does my environment enable me to thrive? And it's something I really encourage every human to think about. Are you in an environment that's allowing you to thrive? Now, think about your home environment. Think about your work environment. Think about your familial environment, your friendship group, your community. Think about the space you sleep in. Think about the space you eat in. Think about the air that you breathe. On a larger level, you might consider the city you live in, the country you live in, its policies, its processes. And think about whether you like the weather where you live. Now, this may sound a little bit dramatic, but it's not. When you think about the impact our environment has on our daily joy and happiness, it really does change up our lens of the world once again. Now, here's the wonderful thing. As human beings, we are not trees. We're not planted in the ground. We can actually move from any environment that doesn't serve us. The question is, do we feel courageous enough to do so? If you are working in what you know to be a somewhat toxic situation, if you know that the home environment for you is really not great for your mental health, if you know you're in a relationship with someone, a friend, a a romantic partner, maybe a community that isn't good for your emotional health, is it worthwhile you staying there? If you're living somewhere where you don't even like and agree with the policies of the place, or you feel disenchanted with life in this particular country, city, or town, you can move. We can move. Now, we have to think about whether it's worthwhile moving. And for a lot of us, the opportunity cost for moving away from what we know and love seems really, really risky. It seems too high. Because moving from what we know to the devil we don't know often feels like a really silly risk to take. And so in this module, I often urge people to assess where they currently are in every part of their life, to think about how much their life could change if they moved out of the environment that doesn't enable to thrive, but also if large changes are not your thing, to think about how we can change the environment we're in and morph it into one that we can thrive in. For example, it might be really hard to move out of your home, but it could be really easy to change up your home a little bit with really cost-effective and time-effective ways to make it a much nicer, more conducive environment for yourself. It might be really hard to change cities, but you could change your viewpoint of the city and explore the city in a different way so that you grow to love it in a way you never thought possible before. Here's the thing. Our perception is important. And just as important is where we sit, our environment. And so the big question I like to ask people here is how can you modulate, moderate, or move away from the environment you're currently in into an environment where you absolutely love being in? Now, the last thing I like to think about in self-mastery is in designing a lifestyle strategy. What do I mean by this? Well, you know, we talk about lifestyle a lot. You know, every year, you know, all the countries make this whole, what's the most livable city in the world? There's always benchmarks for lifestyle. And I urge you to think about this in a more strategic way rather than saying, well, this is the lifestyle I've been given or this is the lifestyle that has to happen given my current circumstances. The reality is we all get to choose the lifestyle we live. Okay, Obviously, if you don't have a millionaire budget, then you can't have a millionaire's lifestyle, right? I know, the feeling is mutual, the pain is real. (laughs) But what we can do is design a lifestyle strategy. For example, 
And it's really important for you that your environment is one that is minimalist and sterile for you to thrive, then it might be really important to consider aligning that strategy of your environment to the rest of your life as well to make it conducive to keep that environment the way you want it. You know, another thing I would urge you to think about is how do I want to eat? How do I want to sleep? How many hours do I need in order to rest? So how many hours do I need to rest so that I can thrive when I'm at play or at work? What do I need in my life to make myself happy? What kind of what kind of daily lifestyle do I want to experience in order to feel like my life is a good one? Now obviously again these are not topics Now, obviously, like I said last week, these are not topics that you're supposed to just skim over in a 20-minute podcast, right? But these are definitely topics that are really worth diving into with a coach, with a friend, with a trusted loved one, a mentor, to really analyze, assess, and see what you can change up in order to, you know, in order to live the quest, in order to be on the quest of living your best life. It's not easy to say you want to keep living your best life. But it is easy to say, I want to master myself. I want to become so good at being me and being the best version of me that everything I do feels efficient. Everything I do stems from flow and ease. And everything I do stems from a passion for the life I have and the person I am. Now, you you'll, now you may have noticed that the first three modules all focused very much on ourselves, self-discovery, sense of self, and self-mastery. The fourth module in my Invincible Blueprint, though, focuses heavily on what's external to us and in particular the human beings that surround us. And it's called community and connection. Now, this entire module centers around building community, designing social arenas, and choosing our people, right? It's really important that we assess our social skills, identify shared principles with the people we choose to be in our sphere, And join activities of flow because they are filled with communities where we feel like we can be abundantly ourselves and at ease. These skills, once we build them, help us to build great relationships within these communities. And as we all know, human connection is the cornerstone for almost everything we do. Understanding our needs first by going through the self-discovery, sense of self and self-mastery modules, and then learning how to connect with other people This is priceless because connection is the ultimate thing that brings us joy, happiness, and fulfillment. Now, how do I break down this module though? Because it's one thing to be like, oh, I just need to make friends or I need to connect with other people, but it's another thing entirely to know how to do this. And so first, I always like to assess our friction versus our flow in the current relationships we hold. And what I do with my clients here is I really urge them to seek out patterns in relationships, patterns in how they connect to other people, patterns in flow and friction, meaning who in your life do you feel most comfortable around? Do you feel comfortable to be yourself, to be at ease? Do you feel comfortable if people see you at your weakest, at your smelliest, at your stinkiest, at your sleepiest? Do you feel comfortable expressing your opinions to the people around you, your loved ones, your friends? Do you fear judgment from them? What generally brings up friction in your relationships? Something to do with you? Something to do with them? Something you can't tolerate? Something they can't? When we assess patterns in friction and flow in our relationships, it really helps us to understand where we may need to modulate a little bit how we are with other people 
And it helps us to understand what kind of behaviors we need to get away from or that are unaligned with our ideas of having strong principles and values in our life. When we assess where friction and flow happens in our relationships, it can help us to do damage control before that friction happens. And it can help us to embrace the flow that comes along with wonderful connection and relationships in life. Now, the second thing I like to think about when it comes to community and connection is where in your life and relationships do you need to do a detox? Now, I hate the idea of health and wellness detoxes, okay? Your livers and kidneys are there for a reason. We don't need to do cleanses and detoxes in our bodies. But what I will say is quite often our life and our relationships do need to be regularly detoxed. What does a regular detox in your life and relationships look like? Now, I'm not the kind of coach who tells you to ditch all your relationships. I think that's really dangerous. I think it's really gross. And yeah, I don't like doing that because I think we have relationships in our life for a reason. And it's not always easy to detach from these relationships. I think that is a very, um, for me, having come from a ethnic culture that celebrates familial relationships and particularly um, connection with human beings, it is really hard for me to just walk away from a relationship just because we have some friction, right? And I don't think that actually makes the basis of good relationships anyway, because every relationship needs to have friction so that we can iron out our differences, appreciate and embrace where we don't align. And the flow actually is much more appreciated. So no, I don't believe in completely, you know, cutting yourself off from anyone who doesn't agree with you or has some friction in your relationship. But what I will say is that we do need to learn to detox our relationships, meaning how do we deal with this friction in our relationships? How do we need to change the way we deal with this friction in our relationships? How do we celebrate the flow in our relationships? Who do we need to take regular detachment breaks from so that we can maintain a good relationship? What boundaries do we need to draw within our relationships so that the friction points don't become outright catastrophe, right? So there are people in my life, for example, that share different value sets or disagree with certain kinds of things, or perhaps they value different things in their lives than me that's okay. It might mean that there are certain topics I don't discuss with them because I know it's going to cause friction. It might mean there are some boundaries I need to draw with them when we embark on certain topics or when they're opinionated about things that I'm sharing. It might mean that I need to learn to talk through these friction conversations head on with empathy, but with a solutions focus so that we can get on with our connection and relationship and not focus on the friction. That's what I mean by life and relationship detox. And this for me is one of my favorite modules in my life academy, because it's one of the things I feel we didn't learn to do as kids. And we need to learn these skills as adults in order to create lifelong connections and also understand where some connections are not worth the time. Now, after we do those two things, assessing our relationships and then understanding where we need to detox. A really, really integral aspect of the community and connection module is in creating your community. I really do believe that community is something we create. Community is something that we have a chance to build consciously, intentionally, and meaningfully. This is something I truly believe in as someone who spent my childhood moving around a little bit, who moved countries at 20, and settled in a whole different country and not knowing almost no one there, building relationships for the next 20 years across two businesses and several communities across Australia and New Zealand, and then moving to a different country just one year ago, the UAE. In building new friendships and communities every single time, I've always centered on it being an intentional effort of finding like-minded human beings who disagree with me perhaps on things that are okay to disagree who 
may have disagreements with me, but never fundamentally deviate from our value sets and principles. Now, creating your community means not just finding like-minded human beings, but finding people who share the same journey and purpose as you, finding people who respect your journey and purpose if they don't share the same one, finding people who have a similar stance on the really important things in life, and finding people who truly make you feel like the best possible version of you. Finding your cheerleaders, finding your friends, finding the people who will stand by you in the toughest of times. I once had a really awful ex-boyfriend who said to me one day, Sharon, you just surround yourself with yes people, you know, people who don't take you down. And that's why I have to be the one to remind you that you're not all that. Thank God I got rid of that guy. (laughs) But I tell you what, When I look back on that statement that he made, it makes me cringe because I did not intentionally choose that guy to be in my life. I chose him for all the wrong reasons and it came out in the way he treated me. And it caused a really big rift in my mental health because it made me go, maybe I am choosing the wrong kinds of people around me. But once I broke up with him, it made me realize, hey, there's nothing wrong with me choosing yes people in my life. Our friends and loved ones should be our ultimate cheerleaders. And no, it is not the job of anyone who loves you to take you down. It is their job to perhaps warn you gently that you might be engaging in behavior that's risky or that might pose certain problems later on down the track. And they might lovingly take you aside and say, hey, respectfully, I disagree with what you're doing. But it is not the job of someone who loves you to take you down. And that's why choosing the right community and choosing the right connections around you is so important. Because I guarantee you, if I was still with that guy right now, I would not be empowering anybody else to live their best lives because I would most certainly be a shell of my former self. Now, the last thing you want to think about in terms of community and connection is figuring out your personal rules of engagement. Now, I don't know if you remember, but quite a few episodes ago, I actually did an entire podcast episode on rules of engagement. And I would urge you to go and revisit that episode because it's a really good one, if I might say so myself. And it's all about determining your own rules of engagement in life to understand how and where you're going to tackle friction in relationships. Now, this is probably the most important thing you can do in your life when it comes to dealing with other human beings, because the only certainty we have in our life is that we are going to be dealing with other human beings unless we've completely removed ourselves from humanity and the world, right? And since we have to deal with human beings on a daily basis, it is probably a really good idea to formulate our own rules of engagement and guidance on how we want to do so. Self-mastery and community and connection, the two modules that go after self-discovery and sense of self in the Invincible Blueprint. That's four out of six modules we've covered so far in these podcast episodes, and I hope you've enjoyed them. I hope they've given you something to think about. I hope they've helped you think, oh, wow, there is a roadmap to personal development, and there is a roadmap to achieving achieving exactly the kind of life I want to live. There is a roadmap for my growth and transformation journey, because that's exactly what the Invincible Blueprint is. Now, if you want to have a copy of the Invincible Blueprint for yourself, you can head to my website and download it. And if you want to live and breathe the Invincible Blueprint, then you can join my Life Academy. The Invincible Life Academy opens its doors next week, and I'm super excited to welcome you to it if you want. We will officially start the program in late September, and in the Invincible Academy program, we will be covering all these modules as well as more, because I've got two more modules I haven't even spoken to you about yet. And you're going to be taken with me along a coaching journey for six months that I guarantee will transform every single part of your life. 
If this sounds good to you, get in touch, talk to me, and let's try and make it happen. Next week, I'll be talking about the last two tenets of the Invincible Blueprint when it comes to the Life Academy. We're going to be talking about boundaries and living powerfully. And trust me, this is not an episode you want to miss. Now, if all this sounds amazing to you, remember, reach out to me and let's talk about the Life Academy. And if not, until next time, thank you for listening again and can't wait to see you next week. Bye. Ready to up-level in every part of your life? The Invincible Life Academy, my six-month signature program designed to help every human being live powerfully, bravely, courageously in all aspects of their life, is about to open its doors. We will kick off the program on the 20th of September, and in the next few weeks, you will hear more and more about the Invincible Life Academy and how it can transform your life. Maybe you like the sound of it, maybe you don't. If you do want to hear more about it, simply hop into any of my social media channels or jump on my mailing list on my website, www.sharonpakir.com for more information. I can't wait to see you there if you feel called. See you next time.